Welcome to Windsor Live. This is the evening edition. This is the let your hair down now that it's really long and get comfortable (laughs) edition. My name is Christopher and we are uh, joined by my compadre, companion and comrade, James. Hello, how is everybody doing tonight? We are happy to be broadcasting live from Windsor, Vermont on a new platform this here is twitch.tv slash windsor live if you want to join in it's a new thing it's a new uh chance for us to to kind of grow the show and um you know maybe get out of facebook a little bit and use a platform that's designed for the purpose of uh live streaming yeah it's really nice to be able to start the show and not kind of sit there in silence for three minutes, not wanting the stream to just crash. It's um, true. Yeah, it's true. It's a nice feature. It's a <laughs> smooth sailing bit of an improvement. Of course yeah. we should, we should uh, watch what we say. We don't want to attempt fate, but so far so good. So yeah, and we got a couple people watching already. So we're all, all in this right now. Excellent. Excellent. So we've got, quite the show tonight it's going to be a little bit dense but there's there's some topics we'd like to tackle that uh we honestly i think getting it all out on the table is going to help us in our our roles on the select board but also i want to make sure that uh we're we're understanding some uh pretty crucial topics and that we're relaying that so that everybody's in on the conversation and knows kind of what is coming up and that is focused around some construction projects throughout Windsor Vermont this summer and the budgetary concerns associated with them wrapped up around some debt allocation left over from the last time the uh, world went topsy-turvy and threw us an emergency. Yeah. But before we get to that, James dug up some really interesting information on the phenomenon we mentioned on the lunch stream earlier today about this idea, this, this, this uh, thing that we've heard kicked around that realtors are saying people um, from all over the place are looking at Vermont to buy property suddenly. So let's dig into that. So what I did was basically look for articles that might explain other than the obvious of why wouldn't you want to live in Vermont? It's the best state <laughs> in these United States. Here, here. Um, not, not least because of its easy access to Canada. Um, but I kind of did some searching, and it seems like we're kind of at the head of multiple factors coming to play, um, not least of which are the fact that we are the first state in the country that has opened up after meeting the CDC requirements for opening up. That is the the big caveat there. Other states have opened up because they have. We have met because they've the, chosen to. Yeah. We have met the CDC testing 
and um, hospitaliz- hospitalization requirements to begin opening up. Um, we're the first in the nation to do that. So we're beginning a lot of credit, a lot of well-earned credit for flattening the curve uh, in the way that we have. And, and it's really, um, it really makes me proud of the community uh, in Windsor, but just in Vermont generally. Um, but there are other things at play uh, some of it has to do with the coronavirus. I think some of it has to do with technology, and it would have gotten to this point anyway. But one of the things that I wasn't really anticipating was an article that came out of CTV News um, from Montreal, from the Canadian press. Um, and it was talking about the fact that the only way to really combat this virus is through social distancing and people specifically what this article was talking about was in Montreal. Um, the people are, are kind of rethinking living in an urban center and looking at suburban sure. areas and exurban areas and rural areas um, around those urban centers. And the author of the article kind of hypothesized that Eventually, this will push people further and further out into the rural areas. So people from from Center City, Montreal, may not be going far out into the periphery. But um, once you get into the suburbs and exurbs, that travel might happen. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking mm-hmm. about, like, what is around Vermont? And there's a lot of urban centers that are kind of close, right? So we have Boston is obviously the largest and closest, but we're not terribly far away from Manhattan. We're not terribly far away from some of the smaller cities like, uh, Troy and Albany, um, Portland, Montreal, like you just mentioned. Sure. Right. Exactly. Although I feel like it would be a tough sell to get them come to an area where they have far less healthcare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard pitch, but you know, um, and also a, a country that has zero interest in learning French. So, mais oui. <laughs> but uh, you know that's that's one of the one of the things that is leading to this, right? Like there is um, due to due to the virus affecting dense uh, populations, a desire to move out of those areas, and Vermont mm-hmm. being situated. Um, within that area. And I saw a, a quote or a comment in, in one of the articles I was reading that it turns out that the thing that we saw as Vermont's biggest challenge are, um, are very spread out populace may mm-hmm. actually be the thing that helps us the most in this. Right. Right. We have a lot that makes of so area. much sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that is kind of being exacerbated by this virus, but I think it was going to get here anyway, is um, employers realizing that they do not necessarily need their employees to work on site. Right. So there was an article um, that I found on House Beautiful, that (laughs) that font of information, uh, that was basically talking about a a string of people just buying vacation homes 
as quick as they can. And areas okay. where there is a lot of vacation uh, and tourism is a major means are just seeing these homes get snatched up uh, above asking price, sight unseen in in a lot of the places. I'm thinking Killington. I'm yeah. thinking Stowe. Is that is that? So the article itself was talking about places in in rural Georgia and along the coast, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. Like, I, I didn't necessarily find a one to one for Vermont with all of these articles, but it's just kind of the the tempest sure. that is swirling around and maybe causing this move. Um, but a lot of the drivers that they're seeing is people at the executive level or just below the executive level, like upper management uh, with a fair amount of disposable income are no longer really needed to be on site. Um, The argument could also be made that they were really never needed in general. Um, And I think (laughs) that's a discussion (laughs) for a different episode, but um, (laughs) it gets into some economic uh, structure, uh, you know, kind of kind of talk but right and you know i think i think that is kind of the recent history of vermont right people um Mm. people kind of going in that back to rural movement in the you know uh early 70s and the 80s um, and moving into Vermont, and that's where you see like the Bernie Sanderses, um, and sure. also less good things happening in Vermont. But um, it seems like that's part of the history of Vermont. Uh, I myself am not a native Vermonter. I don't know mm-hmm. if you can tell that by my ridiculous Pennsylvania accent. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you keep articulating those T's at the end of your words. Which it's because is, of the which pop is very filter. good of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are a lot of draws to the state of Vermont, and I I can't say that um, I would look down on anybody who decided to move to the state. It's a great place to live, and we could definitely use, use the people coming to Windsor specifically. Um, the last article I found were uh, realtors, and this was specifically from VT Digger. Mm-hmm. Um that were selling people uh, homes in the southern part of Vermont. So this specifically impacts us. It was talking about the entire state, but it looks like uh, home buying in northern Vermont is to locals who are just taking advantage of really low interest rates mm-hmm. uh, and moving into first homes and moving uh, into oh, larger great. homes. Yeah, so that's that's a huge positive. Um, and there's not necessarily a negative to any of this. So, so we'll get to what could come about from it, but sure. there, there doesn't have to be a negative, right? Uh, I think that's the thing to get off right off the bat. Uh, having new blood come into the community is, is always a welcome thing. Um, and that's why it's really important that we position ourselves to be a welcoming community. And I think we've done a good job of that uh, over the past years agree uh, there's Windsor. there's always room for improvement but you know i think it's definitely a desire uh mm-hmm. generally speaking but what can come from this is the possibility and i i can't put enough caveats around this and the possibility of speculation gentrification artificial inflation of home values sure um, sure some some negative consequences of, yeah of the, and the heat in the market 
Right. And we also could get into the situation where, you know, these people, they come to Vermont, they live here for a little bit, and then they realize that they they do want to move back to that location. And we have these really valuable homes that are just kind of sitting, you know, they're not vacant in the sense that they are owned. Um, and I guess you could make the argument just from a pure tax revenue standpoint that they're on, they're productive to the bottom line, but there's not like the people adding to the community, right? Like right. if every home was filled by people who never lived in Windsor, we would have that tax revenue and that's great. We could have a ghost town with a fully uh, stacked police force and fire department and nobody else. So, yeah. <laughs> But that seems to lack some some characteristics of a community sure. that people might want to live in in real life. And, and <laughs> yeah, you know, it's something that we're trying to build towards, right? Is this grassroots community endeavor, um, this this bottom up revitalization, where we're not looking for this big, we're not necessarily looking for this big investment to come in and save us. And that's an interesting sort of fulcrum when, as we're talking specifically in the context of home ownership, it's not that, you know, if, if someone who, you know, wants to have a large home somewhere out in the woods, you know, west of the interstate, what have you, that's there, that's not necessarily what is targeted by what James just described. I think that's, that's really worth, worth saying. And it's not to say, you you know, I'm not out here like, you know, saying millionaires, please come to Windsor. That's not, that's not the, the, uh, the, the point either. It's just that, you know, there's a gradient of, of, of residence that doesn't necessarily like fit into what we have talked about in the past in strong towns in terms of like an industrial or commercial type of thing it's a little bit different sure. um you can pot you know there's there's a different argument or a different conversation around housing availability but i just wanted to make that that point as we're talking about this yeah. and, that and that's that's the other piece of the puzzle right when we talk about gentrification um the thing that really drives gentrification is a really um uh demanded demanded product, right? So mm-hmm. we have that in the Upper Valley specifically, but you know, Windsor, any any of the towns around us, there is a huge need for home ownership, right? Mm-hmm. And we talked about the low density of our population. So we could have speculators come in and just buy up tracts of land and then all of a sudden we have um, housing developments and large multi-unit, but maybe not the best built um, apartment complexes. Um, so, like I said, none of this has to come to a negative. There's nothing wrong with new construction. There's nothing wrong with multi-unit apartment complexes. It's just going about it in the right way that makes our community sustainable, I think Mm -hmm. is what we're trying to chart a course through. And I think that this, you know, this show in particular is, is a great way in a place where we can kind of define that, that difference, right? Where maybe, you know, uh, as if we look at 
the if we look at this increase in the market, which is which is wouldn't have been predictable when at the beginning of the coronavirus crisis, mm-hmm. like I think everyone and myself included would have said, yeah, housing is about to crumble. Like that's just that's sure. just the the inevitable conclusion that you would draw from uh, a, such an economic downturn. But it doesn't turn out to be the case for a variety of factors, and so while we want to we really want to harness that energy and and you know take advantage of that interest i think we can make that case for the type of projects and the type of 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 developments and uh reuse of space especially that will enrich the 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 place that we're in you know and it isn't to say that someone couldn't you know, if you want to dream home out in the woods, again, if you, if that's your thing, that's your thing. But like, as a matter of community direction, mm-hmm. we have ide- there are ideas on the table to convert you know spaces that exist into really wonderful places mm-hmm. that would you know draw energy into the, into our downtown and 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 create a market for businesses to it, well. To uh, grow a market for mm-hmm. businesses to to uh, cater to, you know. Yeah. Basically, what what we're trying to accomplish at this point is to take that demand for housing, which is massive right now. It is it is the hot buttonest of issues in local government, and Absolutely. harness that to create a demand for commerce and industry. Right. Mm-hmm. So right now. Retail is cold. There's just there's not much demand in the town of Windsor. I mean, there's other there's other communities that they have needs that are different than ours, but um, you know, we just we just don't have the demand right now to um, be able to necessitate a large retail development um, or commercial development or industrial development right now. Well, I kind of feel like, you know, depending on what your scale of large is, too, that can be the 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 thing that makes it not work or work. You know, it's all mm-hmm. about that that business model sure. and identifying def- identifying the, the need and finding a margin on top of it. But I think, you know, the uh, I just want to be as we're having this conversation, it's very mm-hmm. important to keep like kind of the scale of sure. things, you know, because. It would be wrong to 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 cast too wide a net on any one kind of you know yeah. type or structure of business, and you know. And I I guess I'm talking about the scale that, and the scale and scope that requires um, like in person community uh, support, right? So mm-hmm. brick and mortar, brick and mortar that is working in the local area, M- Not- margins on dollars that are paid on top of goods that are thrown out the door, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, I I think there is definitely a place in Windsor right now for people who are going to be mainly working um, on the internet, but still want to have that that footprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I think that business model works really well, and we can actually point to a few businesses in Windsor that have really adopted that and have done a good job. And I think there's also right. there's always that real niche market that you never know exists until somebody comes in and hits it out of the park. So it's like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't plan for that success, but no, there's a huge category of, of, you know, 
you, it's almost hard to put this type into one category, but there's this massive swath of, of creators or, or, um, artists or craftspeople or, mm-hmm. or, you know, like there, in so many different tracks and businesses and industries like that, that exists as a movement. I look to makers in the makerspace movement and I look to like, look at the, you know, just as an example, how many people it turns out have 3d printers and can make face masks just like sure. that and start pumping them out. You know, that's a very interesting economic uh, function that's a very interesting democratized economic uh, power mm-hmm. and I think that there's just a massive amount of opportunity there for different business models to evolve out of that you know that stuff that uh, that miasma yeah yeah <laughs> right no there definitely is and one thing you know I think the entire Upper Valley could probably speak to this, but specifically in Windsor, man, there is a need for space to have entertainment. I mean, right now, there is a need for space to to, for people to stand like six feet apart um, and coexist outside. But once we get to the point where we're no longer required to social distance, we can meet in large groups again. So we're talking maybe a year down the road. Mm -hmm. There is the huge need for there to be a place to gather, right? Like we have the green, absolutely. we have the fairgrounds and they're great, but they're just grass. Right. So there's, and I think, I think that is going to be a huge benefit coming out of this soft opening of the economy. Right. So Mm -hmm. we're right now we're working on, a very slow and methodical, but it really is a placemaking exercise. Absolutely. Um, it's, 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 you know, taking in the simplest way, just putting a couple little tiny structures, i.e. a chair, a table, a bench, whatever, putting some support behind it in terms of, you know, getting trash out on a regular basis and, and, you know, effort to keep it clean. And, and then that's it. And all of a sudden, it's a thing, right? It, it, mm-hmm. It's a thing that didn't exist, but now it does. And it's right. so simple. We've, we've used this, this space to do such a simple thing, but it, it's, it, it, it's so powerful and it's so important. And it can become a gravity well around which other, th- other things can, can revolve and, and exist, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, and you can point to a place in time where all of the like well-known spots together in Vermont, but you know, around the country uh, where they were just that they were an area where they, an extra park bench kind of popped up. So church street, that was a street at one point. It wasn't hence the name. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) for all of our international uh, viewers and listeners, we're talking about a very, uh, very popular retail and commercial space in Burlington. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, popular outdoor market kind of, kind mm -hmm. of space. Um, And it's cool. It's super cool, but it, you know, used to be literally where people drove. So, we got to start somewhere. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where we're shutting down main street and having it be a pedestrian mall, but I don't think we want to get there either. I thought, I, I don't think anyone right. has aspirations 
uh, that are just un- unattainable. And I, I like that that is where the spirit of the community is right now. Something that is right. small and sustainable. So nothing yeah. that we're doing right now has to go away when the virus times are over. Right. And uh, the truth is, is some of these relaxed accommodations and relaxed regulations that have come down the pipe, if we as a town and as an economy demonstrate that we get value out of those mm-hmm. new normals, they're not going to take them away. Right. And I think that that, I think long term that could be very, very valuable as an economic tool for small communities, you know? Mm-hmm. Being able to, you know, grab a bite and grab a beer and go sit down. Sure. And that kind of be that. Doesn't sound so bad as a as a placemaking uh, feature, you know? Yeah. And beyond, you know, just being able to get a get a beer to go, which is still wild to me. But the um <laughs> I think it's I think we kinda called people to this earlier today on the lunch stream, but I think that we should really reflect on the opportunity we have to, to be weird, to lean into weird, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. Vermont, I've, I've lo- you know, I always loved that, that slogan, keep Vermont weird. And, and usually the strange pictures of places around the state that it's associated with. Right. But I, I really think that, you know, that's, there's some magic in that. And as we start to get to know these new spaces, as you take a, uh, a little time on the new bench or on the new uh, table after getting some delicious thing from from downtown Windsor. Uh, you know, think about what else could be there. What could be there that is interesting to look at or engaging? And what would you mm-hmm. what would you like to see? What kind of art would you like to be to be exposed to when you're just taking in these special places? And part of that too like you said, a relaxation of requirements, but a, you know, a lot of that has to do come, come from the state level, but the town can also make friendly ordinances for gathering for, um, where music can and cannot be performed. You know, there was a question on the lunch stream last week about, uh, busking and where that was possible. And I don't think we have an ordinance to do that, but we, we could, we could very easily put a policy behind that. You know, there's lots of, of cities that have similar things that we could just take, uh, take some language from and and come up with something that is Windsor centric. Um, And those are the things that if we find out there's a need, Oh, there's a we need. We can go in that direction. Oh, I'm going to go out ahead and say there's <laughs> definitely a need. Uh, we need, we need, we need that to happen. But I think, I think that, I think that maybe it's like, uh, it's so hard. You know, these are great ideas, and this is this is sort of like a little bit of the arrested development problem of coronavirus, where like I see a lot of energy to to get to that next chapter, to like, okay, let's do that. With the caveat that we don't know how fast we can move, and we don't quite know what's right to do, right. but. The uh, uh, I I think that that kind of a thing where some a human being or a small group of humans want to just go and create music in a space that turns that that to me feels immediately existentially necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just I that is exactly where I want to live. But with increased demand, with increased traffic, 
you know, there's always the possibility of increased strain on infrastructure. Logistics, man. Right? That's right. Absolutely. So it's infrastructure week here at Windsor Live. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really. <laughs> yeah. And we got a little bit of a Gordian knot ahead of us um, in the town of Windsor. Um, so, so tonight, we're just going to put all of our cards on the table yeah, and, and try to lay it all out for both the benefit of ourselves to make sure we understand the issues mm-hmm. and for the benefit of the town of Windsor to get you, you know, up to speed and then ask for your feedback and your insight and your advice. Mm-hmm. And just a huge disclaimer so that we are not uh, appearing to break open meeting law. Uh, neither Chris and I, in an official capacity, are advocating for any one method right. forward, uh, nor are we planning on taking action on any specific thing that we discuss. Right. Tonight's goal is to just get the information out there so that we can all be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Time out. Let me get some more water. Why don't okay. we, uh, perfect time to, to do that. That'll edit perfectly. Uh, <laughs> I can even, uh, I'm going to put it back on standby, put some uh, music on real temporarily like, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be right back. Yeah. I just got to get, I just got to get <laughs> some water if we're going to yeah. get through this. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see, you know, I think if we were on Facebook Live, I'd feel guilty about that. I don't know why. No music. No, no, you know. Sure. No break. It just feels more casual and friendly here. We're not going to get any subs or any, uh, what is the little microcurrency in Twitch? 
Oh, oh, I'm so not up on it. What is the yeah, little? Yeah, I, the, I don't, the, I don't know. The coinage. I'm old. Somebody knows. Cody I'm knows. In, Cody will my, tell us. I'm in my third up, uh, third decade of life. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's just uh, yeah, shake that off a bit. That's where we'll put the me undies commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> That's where the mattress uh, segment is. <laughs> Blue apron, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So do you want me to intro the next bit, or do you want to take it? Uh, go for it. Okay. So, what... Just a little background about what we're going to talk about. So, a couple years ago... Uh, there were two FEMA declarations for uh, f- that allowed us to accrue federal and state reimbursements. In 2001, Irene hit. And, 2011. Sorry, 2011. There's a <laughs> take two. In 2011, Irene hit Vermont. Windsor was spared from the worst of the storm. Uh, and we were really lucky uh, because of what we found out about the dam and everything kind of from that storm. And then in 2013, yeah, that right. Was, that was that was really something. If anyone, uh, had, you know, listening to this remembers that, I'll never forget the uh, athletic field at Windsor High School turning into a river. Mm-hmm. That was really something. And then in 2013, we had uh, a less dramatic rainstorm, but it did wash out quite a bit of roads, uh, specifically the dirt roads um, around Windsor and around the state, bad mm-hmm. enough that um, FEMA allowed us to get uh, emergency reimbursement um, mm-hmm. for those projects. So what we did was get a line of credit with the anticipation of FEMA reimbursement. And the second part of this puzzle is a $3 million road bond that was authorized in 2014 that we've used in the town of Windsor to do a lot of both basic maintenance and some much needed maintenance on neglected areas of our infrastructure in the town and kind of out in the periphery. Right. So there's this maintenance pool, the road bond maintenance pool, maintenance and and project pool, I should say. Mm -hmm. And then there's this other sum that is a line of credit with a bank that is these two, which represents these two emergencies funds to be used prior to the reimbursement that the government would give the the state and federal government would give us Mm -hmm. for the recovery of those emergencies. Everybody clear. So where we're at now, the last of the money from FEMA has come to us. So, you know, nine years later, (laughs) we're, we're finally getting through the last of this. And, and if you're really probably thank, uh, Tom Marsh and everybody at Town Hall Hall for following Mm -hmm. this because it sounds like it was rife with ridiculousness and having to re-cross T's and re-dot I's and resend things many, many times to make sure that we got the money. But 
they made sure we got the money. So thank you. And if you want to hear the full story, I'm not telling it nearly uh, well enough. Uh, and Tom, Tom's been in it for his entire time here in Windsor. Um, so go to Windsor on Air and watch that portion of the last select board meeting. It's towards the end. And he really spins a tale of how we got to this point. And I'm not, I feel like I'm, I'm leading up to this doom and gloom thing and it's really not that, but I'm just going to give you the context. Yeah, there is there's quite a lot way. of it. Yeah. So what we have as the town of Windsor looking at us right now is the rest of the FEMA money is here. We are not getting any more. Uh, we spent about $3.8 million uh, on this line of credit to work on the roads that were able to be reimbursed through FEMA. Um, the money that's come back for uh, paying off that, you know, like I said, we're not going to get the full amount. So the long and the short of it is we have a balance on that Mascoma line of credit of $665,000. Uh, and that is due in a month. Yeah, yeah. weeks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on the scale of weeks. So, 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 just make sure that that point is clear. This is the the, the remainder after all of our reimbursements have come in uh, against all of the work that we did mm -hmm. to correct, fix, and clean up uh, after Irene right. In the 2013 storm. And so that, that sum, what was it? 665. $665,000 represents the town's portion of the responsibility to, to, mm -hmm. you know, correct and, and fix that which was broken as well as anything, you know, uh, the, the overhead in tracking it to this point right. <laughs> of which there was much. Yes. And here's the good news. Um, there are multiple there. It's not a, Oh my goodness. How are we going to find, find a way to pay this? We have multiple right. ways to cover this debt. Luckily Windsor is in much better financial standing than it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, definitely better than it was 15 years ago. Very much so. Um, so we have both capital and general reserves. We have, a separate reserve account that was kind of a bequest to the town that is available. Um, there are lots of ways that we could just pull money out of the bank and pay it in cash tomorrow. However, there's nothing saying that the economy is going to be great for the next foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> Any amount of time that you choose. So, so I, I can see a huge benefit in keeping that money right where it is, unless we absolutely have to take it over. So this is debt that it 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 either it needs to be paid back or at least you know dealt with and and, and rolled into something. You know it has to be uh, it has to be you know either structured as a repayment or paid in paid in full. Right. Um. But, you know, like I said, we could pay it out of reserves and we would still have some money left over. But I, I, I see a benefit of keeping the reserves if we can. There so just is, to give you a sense of numbers, too, the reserves were, are about one point, what, 
one just million? under a million just under a million that's it yeah. that's it the other side of that so just yeah. under a million dollars between a, a variety of funds um on hand mm-hmm. right that is not to say that that money hasn't been earmarked for other things so the capital reserves are a way for the town to fund future um future purchases of equipment mm-hmm. um and spread that over time uh before the purchase rather than pay for it all ahead or take on a lot of debt. It's been a way for us to um, both upgrade and continue to cycle mm-hmm. our, um, our kind of, I, I, I hate this word, but rolling stock. So dump trucks, police cruisers, fire trucks, right. um, that kind of equipment. Yeah. And then there is also like a portion of the capital reserve that goes to rec department, um, renovation stuff uh, on town-owned property that isn't movable. Uh, there are just general reserves, which are a rainy day fund. But if you've ever listened to um, the town manager's report where they're talking about cash flow, uh, shocker, town government is cash flow poor. Um, we get <laughs> money basically six times a year. <laughs> right. Um, and dog licenses are not gonna cover <laughs> this particular debt. So having, having cash on hand definitely helps for those times. And there are other ways that we figure out a way around our cash flow issue with, uh, revolving loans and, uh, revolving lines of credit, but right. just, just having that liquid asset is, is probably a really great idea. And I think it gives you a background, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily describe it in full, but it kind of gives you this idea, this background idea of like, you know, the day-to-day cash flow of a municipality is kind of, you know, it's, 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 uh, it, there can be more peaks and valleys than you would necessarily feel comfortable with in a, in a relative, uh, home situation. And that's just because of the, the nature of time involved often in, receiving your payables and Mm -hmm. and, uh, going through the red tape of even getting money out the door. I mean, it's really, it's just a different kind of scale and a different kind of beast in terms of timing. Mm -hmm. But I think this is probably a good moment to, to overlay the next, uh, the next, you know, part of, of this nexus onto the conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is like, you know, there is uh, the, the easy way, the the let's like just punt the entire <laughs> the entire thing down the road of we can get Mascoma has already approved us for a ten year loan for the amount uh, we would pay it back about seventy nine thousand dollars per year so we could do that um, we could roll that entire thing into a ten year loan and just put seventy nine thousand of debt service into the budget. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I'm not leaning one way or the other on all of these, um, but that's probably the easiest as far as like what we have to think about. However, the what you're not anticipating um, part of that is like where is that seventy nine thousand going to come from, right? Especially so, if we're foreseeing a downturn, or mm-hmm. if we're witnessing right. a downturn in real time. Yeah. So is that $79,000 going to mean that we do a decade of not putting money into reserve accounts, into savings 
Does that mean that we'll see $79,000 per year in a reduction of services? Um, most does, likely it would be a combination of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is something we could do for sure. And the most complicated, and I really had to read through this a couple times is there is a roughly it's about a million dollar project, right? Um, or is it about three? Gosh, now I see it's so easy to get off the rails. Which project are you talking about? I'm talking, I think we should, I think we should talk about about the construction projects each individually. Okay. And, and break those all out as well. And then circle back to how the, the road bond figures into the finance. I think that's probably the most logical. So I guess we can just touch on, there is the opportunity to just pull this, pull this money out of the road bond that we talked about earlier, spend it on this because it fits within what that road bond is for. This was all on infrastructure repair, right? It's mm-hmm. not like we're taking road bond money and throwing it at a, a new football stadium. Right. Um, so we could do that as well. Those are the options at hand. I'm not advocating for anything. I think just like most things, it'll probably be a blend of a different, a couple different things. Um, but like, those are the options we have. And then there's also the possibility of something we just never thought of happening. Um, but what we need to be really clear about is that a surprise FEMA payment is not going to be one of these options. Like, right. Right. We, that, we, <laughs> that part is done. That yeah. infusion of cash is, is over. Yeah. Um, now, if anyone is feeling generous, uh, <laughs> cash donation is, is welcomed. Um, but, but that's where we're at. So now we'll turn to Paige and talk about what was being planned as far as infrastructure repairs this, we'll say this operating year, but it's really this fiscal year, uh, mm-hmm. things that would be paid out in this fiscal year. There is some pretty easy to understand paving that we were going to do out on County Road, which it really needs to be done let's just Um, put it in this in this context too it's like it's not that we were going to it's just that at this juncture it has been called to the attention of the government that maybe we want to just think about it about the project actually approved yeah 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 these were approved and the only reason that we're talking about them again is because of the economic reality that we suddenly find ourselves in and the fact that coming by construction labor as just a, as a, an available commodity is very difficult. Right. right so it's like the combination of the economic reality of like, Oh, maybe we don't want to do this layout of funds for this purpose right now, but it is, it is the logistical thing. Like this was on this fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is as of right now, pretty unlikely that these projects are going to go out to bid and be paid on this fiscal year. Cause we're, we're staring, staring right at June. Um, right. so we have a month and right now there is delays all the way down the board to the subcontractor right. level in getting bids in. Right. Um, so that kind of puts us in this situation of like this money was appropriated. It is for this purpose. It is possible, but the, really big project 
was going to be a a, a very much needed um, renovation to the area around Cherry Street. So that neighborhood up up in Cherry Street. This is a um, fun cascade of, of requirements and, and, and needs kind of coming together, right? Yeah. Well, it's like you start with, we need to repave these roads because mm-hmm. they've, they've gotten really rough. Okay. In order to repave the roads, you've got, to, you've got to redo the, I'm not sure which one came first, but I think you have to redo the water line in those places in order to, uh, in order to you know, successfully do the roads to spec. Mm-hmm. And in order to do the water line, you've got to move the sewer line farther away from where it currently is so that there's space between them up to spec. So it's not just like, let's go repave the roads. It's like, we're going down. We're going down to the earth and we're going to fix some stuff, which is good, which is good and needed (laughs) and necessary. So anyone who's listening that has been in Windsor for the past three-ish years, uh, this is what happened on the Pine Court project. So this mm-hmm. is exactly what happened during that time. And if any of you live on Pine Court, you know exactly what we're talking about. Um, but it is like digging, basically digging, digging a vaguely roadside-sized di- ditch down into the earth and putting in new access and delivery systems and then paving on top of that. So right. it's quite the project. Yeah, it is. But it kind of makes that neighborhood, not just like a street, but a neighborhood done for a decade. Right. So a long time. Yeah. And as far as the, like the utility delivery, it's probably much longer than a decade. Um, so there's a huge benefit to having that happen. At least at some point, again, with bids uh, and labor where it's at right now, it it doesn't look like it's going to be happening on this fiscal year. And that's the entire reason we're having this conversation. So it's like a a, a bit of a bit of a tangle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's talk about the other the other projects that are in scope, too. I think that. Um... Just to just to com- just to complete the 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 strings that are kind of <laughs> being being pulled out right now. Sure, sure. Um, because there's also a smaller project to extend the sidewalk on Main Street on the north side of Main north side of town from uh, across the Price Chopper you know Plaza and create a sidewalk and a uh, crosswalk to the entrance of Paradise Park. Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's a matched uh grant funded right. um project so that's good um but <laughs> that's you know same same kind of rules apply in terms of you know availability of labor right um however it seemed like that was a match grant but it, it i think it was the state was going to be doing the majority of the work um on that project uh so that was uh, there was going to be work that we were going to have to have subbed out with the the sidewalk but um, oh and it's probably worth mentioning at this juncture that what is not in scope of this conversation is the route five repair so so that that is that is state and that is not that we don't that is as far as we know happening and continuing to happen according yeah, to plan. Like they're out taking measurements already. I've right, seen the truck. Right. right. I, so that's so so, so if anybody's got like blood pressure is slowly rising thinking that we're building toward like something about Route 5, no. Nope. No. Yeah. <laughs> that's not We don't have the ability to do anything about that other no, than advocate, not, which we've been doing quite a bit. 
our right. representatives <laughs> are tired of hearing about us harping about Route 5. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and last but not least, too, uh, there's the county road side, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, there's the county road side. Part of that oh, is it- paving. Part of it is um, some other work along the road. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could potentially have an effect on Paradise Park, right? So it's not just paving. I mean, it is paving, but it's also the maintenance that comes with that whole roadside and the ditches and everything when you repave a road. Um, An interesting facet of that project is that it is not an all or nothing thing, which was mentioned mm-hmm. at the meeting. Tom made right. a, 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 you know, made, made sure to mention that. And I think it bears repeating that when it comes to that kind of a project on County road to repave that it's not, one or zero it is something that can be split, something that can be, you know, done in chunks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, obviously has been done in chunks. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just worth noting, noting that. And then there's the Meadow Lane um, uh, uh, project as well. Yeah. So that's, that was um, kind of reditching the mm-hmm. area um, mm-hmm. to help with drainage. Um, that's probably the easiest project to find labor for. Um, Mm. and it seemed like, seemed like there was the possibility that of all the projects that was going to be the least affected, but it's also, you know, maybe a little bit lower down on the list too. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. none of these, none of these are like superfluous (laughs) infrastructure expenditures. They all have a need. Right. Um, so, right, it it would be easy if it was like, ah, oh, well, why do we need two rotaries? Right, but exactly. The- <laughs> like, why don't we build? Hey, hey, gang, why don't we build a rotary right by a major highway off ramp, and then build another rotary just down the street on a straightaway, hypothetically <laughs> down the street? Let's I just. Was, I was building. I was. I was <laughs> playing city skylines and decided to do something like that. And it was $6 million, and I still had a bridge that needed to be reconstructed to give access to a different part of the neighborhood. Um, Hypothetically. Hypothetically, of course. No, these are all... I think I would identify these as uh, pretty necessary things. Maybe not wholly... I mean, certainly a lot of... Some of them fall into the realm of aesthetic, but like safety... Yeah. <laughs> and long-term, just long-term uh, viability of the systems. I'm thinking of you, Cherry right. and Elm. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> so, and, and it must be said, so we talked about some of these projects not being like a one or a zero. Uh, that is a project that must be done in its totality. Right. We can't... We can't go into the winter with you, with you guys not having a road. Right. We tried that in Pine Court. And... <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um... So it's again like I don't have an answer. Um I I am staunchly not having an answer right now in any Completely. of Completely. No. No, no, no. What we need now is is I think we should attach these documents to the show um mm-hmm. so that you can kind of pour over them and read them through. I think we've done a a a decent job of of describing the factors. What we have to decide is uh, ultimately what do we want to, where do we want to be in 2021? Right. 
where is where is our comfort level with our 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 debt and servicing that debt versus how much resource we want to have on hand versus how far we can you know push and and try to get you know stuff done in the time that we have mm-hmm. so and you know where is the comfort level and reduction of services as well and or, the reduction in savings if we're going to service this debt for a decade i mean as far as like the length of time Windsor will hopefully exist. A decade is is not very long, but in terms of not adding money to reserves and capitals, uh, capital accounts, a decade is is a fairly long amount of time. Sure, and we've managed to get this entire uh, this get this entire way through the show without mentioning the fact that. Uh, you know, taxes could go up too, which nobody likes so to hear yeah. or say. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, we could, as a select board, just vote on, hey, we're going to raise the taxes up to this obscene level um, without a really good reason to do it, right? Um, you know, we've had high tax rate increases in the town of Windsor, but it was to do things like, hey, we don't have a functioning dump truck half of the fire fleet is not functioning. And uh, this set of engineers and scientists has said that the dam may not be as up as it once was if we don't like do this large right. project to it. It may cease to exist if you don't yeah. fix it. So, I mean, yeah, there, there's, there's a certain amount of necessity that hung over those increases. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is a great opportunity to, to let people know too the, the sort of scale of a tax increase, which, which, you know, being, you know, I know it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 you never hear about what that, what that value actually is. Yeah. Right? But yeah. one penny in tax increase is in tax equal to rate about, increase in tax rate. I'm sorry. So one penny in tax rate increase, right. Raises about twenty five thousand dollars in in revenue for the town, given give or take who is living here at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the factors, right? And that's where yeah. that's kind of where we're at. If you would like to weigh in on this conversation, we'd love to. We'd love to hear it because it's it's uh, it's a big set of issues that need to be solved or at least uh at least handled in the relative in a relatively quick fashion so Mm -hmm. next time we get together at the select board we're gonna have to talk about these things right so uh questions comments i want to hear them all and just to tell you where where we're at as far as like time scale that is going to be the second saturday morning in June. So June 13th is when that next select board meeting is going to take place. Is this one at noon? Afternoon. Afternoon. Is that? I think it's at No, I is think it? it's at noon. 12 noon, right? Look for the warning. <laughs> Look for the warning. Look for the yeah. warning. I'm pretty sure that we made these at noon, but maybe that maybe I'm I'm crazy about that. It's either uh, 11 or noon. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll we'll put it up there, and and you know it'll be far in advance of the meeting. You'll be able to to hop in and see yeah. those details. 
But if you have something on your mind right now, send it to us. You know, we'll be mentioning this again on the lunch stream and next evening edition. We might not do a deep dive, but definitely just letting you know to send your info our way for sure. Next evening edition, we may actually have some really cool interviews to play. I've been trying to stack up some uh, notable Windsorites to guide us through their uh, their existence and what they're up to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tease anything just yet, but stay tuned. I've been I've been pulling some strings in the background to try to get some inside scoops. And you know, I think you know we're talking about we ta- we're talking about infrastructure, and we jokingly were joking about infrastructure but it's a serious thing when we're talking about maintenance and bringing everything up to spec to bring an entire neighborhood into a more efficient system right right um we could have the conversation about the merits of infrastructure spending when it comes to new projects or um, increases in capacity for roads that may not need increases in capacity. Um, that's a, a valid discussion to have on whether we should be spending money there or not. All of these projects need to happen eventually, like next three to five years. These these projects will have to occur in some form. Um, so it's it's a it's a bit of a sticky situation. Yeah, yeah, one that we can get through, but it's uh you know these are our commons. You know, these are the things that we that you know, this is our town. <laughs> these <laughs> these things are are here and and you know, we need to take care of them. Right. Taking care of them means taking care of each other. It's just which steps should we take down which path to get us there? And yeah. to that end, we'd love to hear what you have to say. You can get a hold of us online in a myriad of ways. You can get a hold of me via email at sigulay at windsorvt.org. I am jreed at windsorvt.org. You can get every single episode of Windsor Live on windsorlive.net, a wonderful website filled with links to what we've talked about, to follow up on your own, to do more uh, homework. And this week, you've got homework to check out the documentation we will include that will do probably a much better job than we could hope to in an hour of explaining (laughs) all of the things, all of the things. But it's fascinating as well and i look Mm -hmm. forward to the comments you can go to the contact page if you want to submit an email directly to the show and of course windsor live is available on every pod catching application on every platform that you could think Mm -hmm. of well almost we're working on getting to that point but we're pretty close they're the real sticklers over at castro right Well, they, they, I don't know how many good podcatching applications are on uh, uh, Yolophone or uh, <laughs> UB ports or whatever, but yeah. the Fairphone, we'll see. However, the uh, next time we're live will be 1230 at our new home on Twitch. How cool is that? We're on twitch.tv slash Windsor Live 
every single Thursday for the lunch stream, which is the rapid fire news edition of this show, 1230 p.m. And then you can join James and I late night for the easy going deep dive Mm -hmm. into the depths of these topics on Windsor, Windsor life and which way we're going. 7 p.m. every single Thursday. It's pretty cool. Yeah. This is yeah. working. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is happening. It's, uh, it's really great to talk through these difficult issues, right? Very much so. If we can attack this as a community with input, then the hard decisions, while their impact are still difficult, um, the decision-making making process becomes a little bit easier. Very much so. We're all made better by more participation in the collective input and wisdom of our community. Mm-hmm. And to make these decisions requires that we have guidance and, and uh, stewardship from those around us. So please don't hesitate to reach out, join the conversation, and tune in every single week. Yeah, Because this thing is rolling. It is. Do we want and- to do the call to action of if you want to be involved? Yes. Let's tell them about that, that, about that as the heat grips my brain and makes me forget key details that we are supposed to mention towards the end <laughs> of the show. So the lunch stream is evolving. It is changing into something that is even better than it is now. We're growing a team to take the lunch stream and turn it into a, a reliable source of all of the news and happenings in our community and, and, and really step up the uh oh, the the oh, really step up the net that we can cast and and how far we're reaching and making sure that we're doing our best to 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 find those stories and to find those people who are doing wonderful things but we need help and we need a big team to do it and i love the response that we've gotten but we can always use more we're happy to work with Windsor on air on this to create a, a reliable media and news pipeline and it's going to be a very cool thing, especially as the slow opening up takes place and we can get access to the studios again. Right. Absolutely. And there's the opportunity that you may not even see our faces that much. And I think that that would probably be the, the, the biggest benefit for the lunch stream is to get some, some fresh faces, fresh voices, different opinions, different backgrounds uh, in that space. Um, it'd be great for the lunch stream. It'd be even better for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've often said less time spent with James Reed is productive time. <laughs> uh, I don't find that to be true. Look, we've, look, we've, we've created a show out of, out of, you know, nothing that, you know, didn't exist months ago. That's right. It's, you know, making some, making some hay, but let's say we get out of here. I think we've, we've uh, done enough for this week. Check it out next week, and we will be looking in the inbox for your comments on the coronavirus construction conundrum. (laughs) Good night, friends.